0: Good morning. This has been Rogers. Training today is one of the greatest public servants I've ever had the pleasure of being around. He's almost done it all from serving his country to holding several positions in local and state government. My guest today is former state representative and current executive director of the County Commissioner Association, Charlie Curtis. Good morning, Charlie. Morning, man. I'm so excited about today. I'm nothing to get excited (laughs) over, I promise. Oh, you are. We've had a long relationship. It's a great honor to be sitting here with you. I've known you for many years. Um, You have helped me every time I've asked. And you're definitely someone I look up to, a a true public servant. So I'm so excited. And um, it's safe to say, Charlie, you've been in some kind of public service all your life, pretty much. Well, the biggest part of my life I have, you're correct. And it started when you entered the Marine Corps. Right. How old were you when you entered the Marine Corps? 19. 19 years old. I actually joined
1: about uh, six days before I turned 19, but I didn't actually go in until after I... It had a birthday.
0: So what made you decide to go to the Marine Corps? Well,
1: I was being drafted and uh I came out of high school in sixty five and Vietnam was going on and I didn't have the money to go to college, so there wasn't much option. I was going to I was going to the military and I was working on an apprenticeship as a brick mason and uh I got my draft notice in December of sixty five and uh I joined the Marine Corps February third of nineteen sixty six. With 180 days, de- they deferred me out six several months so I could finish my apprenticeship. And then I went in the Marine Corps the 27th day of May, 1966, and got out the 26th May, day of May, 1969, which was one of the happiest days of my life.
0: It's over three years. Yep, 1,095 days, Thousand- if you want to know exactly. <laughs> 1,095 days. The reason I, I bring that up is uh, public service is what you're all about. You served your country. For thousand ninety five days. This show is about educating uh, our listeners on regional and local issues. And I like to give them the background of who my guests are so they know they got credibility and you're definitely want credibility. So you're in the Marine Corps. You get out of the Marine Corps in three years. You come back home. Go to work for the same company I was working for when I went in. As a brick mason. That's correct. You you were working as a brick mason. You got into the fire business, right? You joined the fire the volunteer fire department? That's correct. They were going to work. In the late 70s, TVA was giving grants to start
1: rural fire departments. And we had one gentleman that worked for the telephone cooperative, and he was, he was really concerned about having fire protection in, in the community that I live in. And he had asked all the men in the community to attend an organizational meeting. And so I was working in Nashville, and I drove, I'd drove. driven home from Nashville, let my men out, and went straight to Castle Elementary School to attend this meeting. And before the meeting was over, I ended up being elected fire chief because TVA wouldn't allow you to apply for a grant until you had actually organized. So they opened the floor for nominations to be fire chief, and about a minute I was the new fire chief, even though I didn't want to be the fire chief. But that's really what got me into politics was being the fire chief. I was elected in 78. I started attending county commission meetings, and, and I challenged the listening audience to take the time to go to your county commission meeting. Okay, you don't have to go every time the door opens, but I, I'm really asking you, if you want to learn something, go to your county commission meeting and follow a few meetings and see what's going on. But I started attending those commission meetings because I was interested in funding for the fire department. And I was sitting there one night, and they were transferring over $100,000 from one category to another, and they had to have a roll call vote. And one of the commissioners had dozed off. And when they called his name, the guy sitting next to him elbowed him, and he voted aye. and then looked at that guy and said, what did I just vote on? (laughs) And I knew at that moment that I was going to run for the county commission. So in 1982, I ran and was elected as a county commissioner representing
0: the Castle area of White County. So you come home. And you go to you want to be part of the volunteer fire department. You get nominated fire chief first thing. You remember the person that nominated you? No. So you get nominated. You didn't you didn't expect that your fire chief. So you you start your public service with White County at that time. That's basically. correct. You you have vested interest as fire chief. You go to county commission meetings. You want to know what's going on. You want to know what uh, funds the fire department. You want to know what funds the county. And then you notice a commissioner with lack of accountability, not doing his job fell asleep at the wheel, basically, and voted yes and didn't know, And that's what sparked your interest in serving the County Commission.
1: That's correct. And I'm not being critical of the commissioner who went to sleep. He was just being human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, we're, all, we're all subject to do something we shouldn't all the time. And, and he was just being human. So I never was critical of him for sure, that. Sure. That certainly triggered my thought to, to do that. And once I was elected to the commission, legally I didn't have to resign as chief. But in my mind, I couldn't possibly separate the two. Sure. It, sure. To me, in my mind, it was a conflict. I'd always be leaning toward the fire department, and I wanted to represent my people sure. as best I could. So I resigned as the fire chief and gave that up. I still stayed on the fire department, but I was no longer the chief. But I, I wanted
0: to be unbiased when I made my decisions as best I could. Sure. So, of course, you and I have something in co- one of the, One of many things I feel like we have in common, With I'm blessed to say that, is uh, you were a county commissioner and I am a county commissioner, and, and my thoughts were – uh, to serve is kind of like you. I, I felt like I could bring something to the table, not being critical of the people that were there before me. But I feel like I could bring something new, something different. And it's a thankless job. You don't get a lot of thank yous, uh, and it's. But it, you shouldn't expect it really. Cause it's your job as a commissioner. And so that sparked uh, that service for you. It sparked that service for me. I'm visiting with Charlie Curtis. He is the current uh, executive director of the Tennessee County Commissioner Association and former state representative. This is trending charlie the the service as a commissioner and i agree 100 percent. for those listening go to your county commission meetings be involved listen to what's going on get a copy of the agenda uh, ask your commissioner questions there's a process if you want to be heard by the commission in the public setting but ask your commissioners questions call them email them uh, that is where the rubber meets the road is with the county commission
1: it is and they need to hear from the public you know as a as a commissioner as a county executive as a legislator I always wanted to hear what the public had 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 on their mind. Uh you know, they I didn't always hear what I wanted to hear. But as long as the public was telling me what they thought and how they felt, that gave me a better ability to make rational decisions. And I I enjoyed my interaction with the with the public, but not always. I mean sometimes I just seemed been somewhere else. Sure. But the sooner someone gets it off their chest, the better off they are.
0: Yeah, I I had a meeting last week uh, in another setting, not as a commission meeting, and ran into a couple of citizens from Putnam County, and they're very critical of some action we've taken. And, and, you know, I sat there and listened because that's what I'm supposed to do. And my response was, I promise we'll continue working for you because we're supposed to work for you. And there's not always good times as a commissioner, but it's one of those things where it's a service and we're trying to do the best we can. In your four years, you were a commissioner for four years. That's correct. In your four years as a commissioner, how many commissioners did White County have at that time? Fourteen. Fourteen. Did you become? Well, how, well, how was the chairmanship then? Was it a county commissioner? Or was it county? The it was county a commissioner. Mayor? Always a commissioner. Did you ever serve as chair? Of the no. N- nor did I have the desire. There was people sitting on that
1: commission that were much more capable of being chair than I, I was when I first got elected. Bill Whitaker uh, was the uh, chairman. And I learned a lot he was He was really a smart man. I mean he was a farmer uh it just It's just uncanny how smart that man was and how he understood the government. Then, when I was elected county executive, I got a new chairman, which was his his nickname was Bo Foster. his name actually was Haven Foster, and he was a brilliant individual also, but sure. I learned so much for th- those two were preparing me for the future unbeknownst to me, but I learned so much and your uncle Billy. Those three people probably had more influence on my political life than anyone. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the
0: knowledge of how to interact and
1: react with the public and other elected officials.
0: Well, I can honestly say uh, uh, my uncle Bill Rogers passed away in 2006. He was a commissioner then, and um, my we worked together at the County Technical Assistance Service, and he's a county government consultant. And I was becoming one in a different part of the state. And when he when he passed away, suddenly— well, I, I got to come back home, and people would ask me, hey, are you going to run for county commission? And I would always say no. And the reason was is I knew his shoes were so big to fill that I wouldn't even get close to filling the, the, the heel part of it. Start at the heel, work the way up to the toe, I wouldn't even get close to filling the heel part of it. But I struggled with it, prayed for years, prayed, and, and people kept on. So eight years after he passed, I decided to run. He and you and a couple others and the, the call to service is why I ran. Um, and that's why I'm here as well. When you were a commissioner for four years, did did White County achieve anything, accomplish anything that you remember that stood out? Maybe something they were trying to do before you got in. Probably the most most important thing, well, two things, is my predecessor as county
1: executive, he had started a charter commission. They were looking at consolidated government. And he approached me and wanted to know if I'd serve on that charter commission. And at my first impulse, I didn't want to. I wasn't interested in it. And I really didn't want to serve. And then after I told him, give me some time to think about it and pray about it. And after I'd prayed about it and thought about it a day or so, I told him I'd serve because I figured if there's something going on crooked, the best place I could be was right in the middle of it because I could see it. And turned out it wasn't a bad idea. But the re- reality, the very reason you're having this radio station, the average citizen really doesn't understand how our government functions. And to try to convince them that another form of government is better, they can't compare the two because they don't understand or don't want to understand either one of them. Right. And and the the primary reason we don't understand government, I'm an old man, but when I was in school, they taught us civics. I mean, we understood how the government functioned. They taught us, but they don't have that in school now. It's right. just something they've just phased out. And I think it's hurt our country. Sure. It's it's hurt local government. And it's hurt state government. And it's hurt federal government. Sure. Because. The average citizen really doesn't understand the inner workings. And I'm not saying no, no one does, but most people really
0: don't understand how it functions. And that's why a radio program like this is so important. And that's a great uh, segue to end the first segment. That's why we do Trending, hopefully to educate you. This has Ben Rogers visiting with Charlie Curtis. He's former state representative and current executive director of the County Commissioner Association. This has Ben Rogers. You're listening to Trending. My guest today is Charlie Curtis the current executive director of the tennessee county commissioner association and also former state representative charlie we talked about your time as a commissioner four years in white county that's your home county you've been there all your life and those four years of commissioner I'm, your next step was to be county executive that's correct what made you decide to run for county executive of white county
1: what really tipped the scale i really i had my own business i mean two of my uncles and i we were masonry contractors and we we were quite successful When I was elected as a commissioner, the previous commission had not adopted a budget. They just left it on the table. So I'd done five budgets by the time uh, four years rolled around, and that fifth budget, the county executive and the director of schools, which was called a school superintendent in those days, they had both got together and decided to give everybody a pay raise without raising taxes, and they were actually spending in the red. We were spending into our reserves with recurring expenditures, which is a no-no. And I knew it was bad. And, and of course, the night we voted on the budget, I stood up and told everyone. I said, look, we got an election coming up, and this seems like a popular idea, but I promise you if we do this, we're going to be raising taxes next year because we're spending in the red, and this same amount of money is going to have to be spent next year. And it passed by one vote. And uh, that upset me enough that I ran and unseated the, the city and county executive. I beat him. Going forward from there, the most important thing, I guess that whole four years as county executive, we adopted the 1981 Financial Management Act. And and uh, I think we adopted it in 87. I was elected county executive in 86, and I recommended it in 87. I think that's the same year that the federal government took away revenue sharing. And we, were, we lost $200,000 of revenue stream coming into White County, and we'd been using it to pay our solid waste, which is a recurring expenditure which the federal government told us not to do, but that's what had been going on for several years. And when that revenue stream was taken away, we, had, we were at a crossroads. And and I told them, I, th- I said, we need to tighten our belts as tight as we can. And the only way we can do that, we're going to have to get under the 81 Financial Management Act, where you as commissioners will know exactly where we're at financially at all times. Right. And the public will know where we're at financially at all times, so – uh, they they adopted it.
0: So legislature approved the 1981 Act in 81, of course. That's correct. In 87, which is not that long, really, when county government, because it takes a while for, and I'm very familiar with the 81 Act. I, uh, out of my 13 counties, five of them now are under the 1981 Act, where the, the financial management is centralized with the schools, highway, and general fund being under one office, the finance director. Uh There's only five of mine, but it's progressing statewide. I think there's over 30 now, so that's a third, almost a third of those counties that are centralized. There are other forms of centralized uh, budgeting and finance through the 1957 private acts. Some counties have private acts. But that was a decision the White County made. You spearheaded that, and you spearheaded that because you saw some waste in the county. And And I didn't know. You informed me today that at one time the federal government had revenue sharing. That's correct. And that doesn't. There, there are forms through I guess TVA that counties get money, but that revenue sharing aspect's not there anymore. No, course, it was done away with in eighty seven. Of course, I was seven years old then, so I wouldn't have known that. But uh, <laughs> so, but that was a form of revenue or the uh, source revenue source the county could depend on at that time. That goes away. That's two hundred thousand dollars, and at that time in nineteen eighty seven for White County, that's a big hit. It was a, it was a significant amount of money. How much savings did you see by going to the nineteen eighty one Act in those first couple well, of years? Well, we
1: had to raise taxes that first year. Uh, just keep our solid waste program going, and I know. Uh, of course, I've lost track then, but I know we went seven years after adopting eighty-one Act. We went seven years on the same revenue stream. We didn't. We didn't increase taxes at all for seven years, and I think it was the eighth or ninth year. I know probably they had to tweak it a little bit. Right. But we were blessed. God blessed us and we were able to stay within our growth boundary and, and not have to do anything else after because we were able to save so much money and 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 we didn't overappropriate. We knew exactly what they spent the previous year and we could allow for a margin of growth and we weren't guessing anymore. We were actually being able to
0: put a pad and pencil to it and know exactly where we were gonna go. Part of the Centralized Financial Management Act in nineteen eighty one included centralized purchasing and that meant You're doing some souls or some one source, sole source, or uh, you with the schools, jail, highway department, you can get bulk, you can buy in bulk, and that saves money when you can buy in bulk instead of using three different vendors to buy office supplies. You can use one vendor and buy more and save the county money. That's just one of the reasons counties uh try to centralize. We're visiting with Charlie Curtis currently. I'm Ben Rogers. This is trending, Charlie. When you implemented the 81 Act, you had to raise taxes. Uh, you tightened up the belt. You and I have shared some stories, and I've heard you tell stories in your meetings with county commissioners across the state. Some other things you achieved as White County executive, and, and before we get to those other accomplishments, it didn't always. It wasn't always called executive. It used to be called county judge. That's correct. And when did that change?
1: In seventy-eight, there was a, a constitutional convention in nineteen seventy-eight, and up till then, they, it was a county judge, and they actually had. Uh, they were over the juvenile court. And in reality, McCorder was governor when I was uh, the county executive. He never would call me executive. He always called me judge. McCorder was holding on to the past, and, and but Governor McCorder, he had me on two different boards. I was on local government data processing, and then later they put me on the state planning board. McCorder appointed me to both of those, But and all my interaction with him, which I loved him and I still love him. He's, the Lord's called him on, but I love McCorder.
0: And uh, we never would call mechanic's a county executive. I always say, Judge, what are we going to do here? Did, right. did they say in that Constitutional Convention why it was important to change the title? No,
1: but the, really the, the, a law degree wasn't required, and we had people serving. And I, there's even been people served as general sessions judges without a law degree since then. But I think that was the real premise of it. They were going away from giving them any kind of judicial authority. Just like the county commissioners were called justices of the peace, right? That's why you, as a commissioner, can marry people, right? Now, hopefully, you've just married your wife, but I mean, you're
0: able to perform <laughs> the, the ceremony, that's right.
1: For for other folks, I've married over a hundred couples in my political
0: career. Well, by law, the we are allowed as county commissioners to perform marriages, and I, I believe I performed four, and I've quit due to certain reasons. But, I understand. Uh, um, so during your time, that, and I've heard this story, and I love it. One of the ways you were able to save money as White County executive is you were looking at the cost of jail, feeding your inmates in the jail. And you had told me when you got in there, they were eating filet mignon. They were eating uh, well, rack of rack lamb. Rack of lamb. Rack, st- rack
1: of lamb and <laughs> I'm 72 years old, and this is a God's truth. I've never had rack of lamb yet. But I had prisoners eating rack of lamb. They were buying pudding in prepared tubs. They weren't making it like my wife did or my mother did. They were buying all that prepared. And once we tightened up on that, we were able to we were able to make a lot of corrections. And it wasn't that the sheriff was doing a bad job. Think of this. A sheriff runs to be the chief law enforcement officer. He hires a good cook, and he depends on that cook to buy the groceries. And so the cook's going to do what's easy. It was a it was a pretty eye-opening experience, but I was a businessman. I ran a business, and I couldn't be haphazard in the way I ran my business or I couldn't survive, and I tried to apply those same principles to county government. You can't 100% do that, but it's
0: certainly good to use that logic. Absolutely. So you cut costs with the food. Uh, you're trying to reduce the, the need for a tax increase in your four years, and there's other things through the 1981 you were able to cut costs. Did you have to borrow any money during that time? for any capital projects. No, we
1: had enough reserves. You remember those two old commissioners I told you I sure. had, those sage, they, the county was in good shape. We had some good commissioners at that time, and and prior to me serving on a commission, we had good commissioners, and um, and they were wise in their decisions. You know, one of the things that we hadn't touched on, but when I came in, there was no computer being used in White County. Right. I bought the first two computers that went to the courthouse. I paid for them out of my pocket. Wow. And for the first time ever, we did the budget on the computer. And when we had a budget committee meeting when it was over, the computer was so slow, I had to turn the calculation part off. I wouldn't let it calculate till we completed our meeting, and I'd made all entries, and I'd let it calculate. And it might take it 15 minutes to calculate, and it'd tell us what our tax rate was right. that moment. Right. And so after a year— I convinced the county commission we needed to get some computers, so they actually bought computers, two IBM-compatible computers for my office. And that's one of the beauties of the 81 Act, is we computerized everything because up to that point in White County, everything was done manually. So we really didn't know where we were at financially when we closed the year out, June 30th. It would be September or October when the comptroller's office came through and did a complete audit. Then they would tell us what we had on June 30th because we were just guessing. But once we got it computerized, we knew, we knew daily how much we'd spent, how much reserves we had, how much money we had in the bank. We knew that daily. And so it's just like operating in the dark and flipping the light switch on And All of a sudden you could see, and the county commission and the school board could make decisions based upon facts, not some hypothetical situation. Did the county commission and school board work well together at that time? Not always, but I attended every school board meeting as county executive, save one. They had a meeting one night at the same time we had a county commission meeting, at which time they closed schools down that day. They didn't want me there, <laughs> but uh, it, it worked itself out. But But the biggest part between county commissions and commissioners, School, I mean, school board members and commissioners, school board members are advocates. Sure. They're not a taxing authority. That's right. They can't authorize to spend any money or anything. They're just advocates. That's right. The commission is a taxing authority. They're the ones who have to appropriate the money to be spent. Well, you want someone that's got a free string to think about how can we make improvements. Then it's the school board's responsibility to convince the commission this is the direction we need to go in. So they're advocates. If you give them taxing authority, they're afraid to be advocates. That's right. They're like commissioners. That's right. And so our forefathers, when they drew that out, ever who designed that,
0: I think God was leading them because they put a, together a pretty good design. Sure did. You're listening to Trending. This is Ben Rogers. My guest today is former state representative Charlie Curtis. We'll be back soon. You're visiting, and I'm visiting with Charlie Curtis, the former state representative out of White County and current. County Commissioner Association Executive Director for Tennessee. Charlie, you were county executive uh, for four years in White County. you have been county commissioner. Then you decide to leave. Well, I guess we should back up. You were county executive for four years. Did you run again? Yes. And you got beat. That's correct. So, <laughs> of course, people get beat uh, all the time in county elections. Uh, you got beat in, in two, uh, 1990 uh, was That's the election. correct. At what point in time then did you decide did you want to run again for county executive, or did you at that point decide you want to run for House no, Representatives? I'd purposed in my heart the whole time, even when I ran for the commission and
1: when I ran for the county executive position, you know if God wanted me in that position, I would win the election as long as I did what I was supposed to do and ran a clean race absolutely and if he if he didn't want me in there, I didn't want to be in there, and so uh the fact that I was a fire chief when I, I went in. As county, as, as county commissioner, and then four years later, I'm the county executive. I, we were turning a corner. Uh, we we had uh, the first year adopted 81 Act, and I was like a fire a firefighter in a forest fire. Everywhere I turned, there was something need to be stomped out, and I, I'm there was problems all over the county inside county government, and and we were having to make some drastic changes. People didn't want to have centralized purchasing in the county. I mean. They was being kicked back. People were getting kickbacks from this and that, and they didn't want that to go some, from some other way. And uh, I, I was controversial. I don't mind telling you, I was young and dumb, and I had those two sages and your Uncle Billy trying to <laughs> tune me up the whole time. But uh, at the end of four years, I lost that election, and uh, it was 300 and something votes. It would have been either way. But I felt in my heart, I had peace in my heart. I figured God had something else for me to do. So. I went back and was vice president of the same company I started and actually was working. uh, I built, we did Hunter's Lane High School in Nashville, which was the largest high school in the state at the time, and left there and then went to uh, Warren County and did Hickory Creek Elementary. And I was working on that school, and I get a phone call from Ivy Hillis, which was my state representative. And he said, Charlie said, I'm thinking about retiring this year. And and I've watched your career, and I think you'd make an outstanding uh, state representative. And I'd like for you to consider running for my position. And I said, well, two things. I said, let's give me three days. I want to talk to my family about it. I want to pray about it, and I'll let you know in three days how I feel about it. But I, I don't want to make a decision like this just off the cuff. Well, three days go by, and Ivy calls me, and he said, Charlie said, uh, Ned Ray McCorder's got two more years left on his term, and he and I've talked about this, and. And he's talked me into running for one more term. and But in two more years, I'm going to retire. And I said, that's fine with me, Ivy. If that's what you want to do, don't even worry about it. And so uh two years rolls around, and I've gone out of Warren County, and I've come back, and I'm actually doing the masonry on the high school, the Warren County High School, which it became the largest high school in the state of Tennessee. And so Ivy calls me, same speech, same sale. I said, I want three days to think about it and pray about it and talk to my family. He calls me back in three days, and I said, Ivy, I feel led to do it, and and I'll do it. If you'll support me, I'll run. And so that's, what, that's how it happened. And so I fin- I was finishing up Warren County High School by the time the primary comes around, and we actually bid to Putnam County High School the day of the primary election. And I was over here in Putnam County when they was doing the bid opening, and as I go- I'm going back, I stop at one of the polls to find out how I'm doing because I didn't have a clue if I was going to win or lose but I in my heart I felt if God wants me to serve in the legislature I'm going to win and I'm not going to talk bad about anybody I'm just going to run and do right. the best I can and I got elected in 1994 and and served 10 times elected to 10 terms of legislature served a little over 19 years in Tennessee
0: General Assembly 10 terms 10 campaigns uh and and for those that don't know as as a member of the House of Representatives they're 2-year terms and so you win uh, an election, but you feel like you got to start campaigning because it's another two years until the next election. That's every time you turn around, you're running, and it's not just 10 elections, it's 20 elections. That's right. Because
1: you've got a primary. That's right. But God bless me, in that 10 terms, I only had opponents twice, three times. I actually, had opponents three times. So I ran seven times unopposed. And those of you who think about running in politics, that's the only way to run an election <laughs> is run unopposed. That's
0: right. I promise you'll <laughs> love it. That's right. A lot less stress and a lot less money you got to spend. So nineteen years, Charlie. Uh, what was it like conducting business on the floor of the House of Representatives with those other uh, the other ninety eight members? There's ninety nine members. What was it like day in and day out? Well, it it was it was political. It wasn't as political back then
1: as it is today. But uh, the most important thing is when you're standing in that well before ninety eight members of the General Assembly for in the House, if they're all there, uh, is to have your facts and figures together because you know sometimes. Uh, they're going to gut your bill. They're going to tear it all to pieces if they're opposed to it. And other times, it'll pass without a whimper. It just—it all is about credibility, and uh, but you've got to be prepared when you stand before. You've got to be calm, cool, and collected if that's
0: possible. We're visiting with Charlie Curtis, former state representative uh, out of the White County district, and we're discussing about his time there. This has Ben Rogers, and you're listening to Trending. How many bills on average per year, Charlie, did you sign on to and introduce? I've
1: signed on to very few bills, but I carried quite a few. Some people, their mindset, they want to get as many co-sponsors as possible. I always had the opinion, if I didn't have enough sense to carry it, I didn't need to be carrying it in the first place. And if someone asked me to sign on to a bill, I would always allow them to sign on to my bill. But most of them didn't sign on to it to the day it was going to pass. I did all the work through the committee system, and I've had them line up and sign up on a bill when I finally got it through the committees, but I always allowed them to do that because they wanted to put their name on that legislation. I was proud to have their name on it. But uh, I think 80-something bills is the most I ever had, and I can tell you for a fact that's too many. They've limited it now. 15 is the most you can find. Right. There was one year, uh, I guess, when I was at the peak of my uh, influence in the legislature, I carried 16 different senators bills not all their bills but the ones they wanted and that was is, is just as many republicans they were democrats it wasn't a down a political line i'd carry if somebody had something near and dear to them they'd bring it to me and say charlie look at this if you can support this i want you to carry this bill for me sir. so
0: 16 different senators and there's 33 senators so That's almost correct. half of the senators asked you to carry a bill well that says a lot and you and you try to remove that line, that political line between Republican and Democrat if you want to get something done. Yeah, I never some people they got a built in bias, but
1: I just I never was apolitical. If somebody was standing in that well, all they had to do was convince me that what they were doing was the right thing for the citizens of Tennessee. If they couldn't convince me that, I'd vote against it. It, if it was my best friend up there and they had a bad bill, I'd vote against it. And if it's my worst enemy and they had a good bill, I'd vote for it. That's just the way. That's the way my mother raised me, and I can't change.
0: Absolutely. What were some of the committees you served on while you were American well? House? I started
1: out as conservation, environment, and commerce. Ivy Hillis, my predecessor, was chairman of conservation, environment. So the speaker, I wanted to be on finance, but the speaker said he wouldn't put a freshman on finance. But after. Uh, a couple terms, they moved me to finance, but uh, I ultimately moved up through the chairs in commerce. I chaired commerce committee. I was chairman of the fiscal review committee, and of all the committees, I was proud to serve on any committee, but the fiscal uh, review committee, you're elected by your peers. The Republicans would elect so many members. The Democrats would elect so many members. Then those members, and then the Senate. This is on the Senate and the House side both. When those members came together, then they would elect a chair. And they elected me chair. I was elected chair, co-chair the first time with Senator Cooper and I out of Warren County. And then the next time, I was the chair by myself. But I got to serve two terms as chair of the fiscal review committee. And, and we were able to point that committee. right. a lot of times, uh, it was probably maybe used a little as a political football. But we we've had people... We really reviewed non-source contracts, in other words, a single-source contract. If it wasn't competitively bid, they negotiated it. The various departments and state government, they would never put checks and balances in a in a contract. If you got a contract, you want to put some kind of measures in there where you can quantify where that contractor's doing a good job or a bad job. Sure. So we'd put in senes for them to do a good job, and we'd put penalties if they did a bad job. But we turned that corner during that four-year stretch when I was chairing the committee, and and I think we made a lot of good
0: changes. What were some of the co- most controversial issues you saw in nineteen years? Income taxes the
1: most, no question,
0: the most controversial. And the one that cre-
1: created the most problem, believe it or not, that crowded the was a striper bass bill out of East Tennessee. Really? Yeah, I mean you couldn't even walk up and down the highway over a striper bass bill. And what uh, was that bill? Well, they 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 had put a hybrid fish in one of the reservoirs north of Knoxville. And all the fishermen were up in arms, and I'm just telling you, they filled the halls up. You couldn't stir them with a stick. But for the duration of it, the income tax far and away was the 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 most combative situation I'd ever seen. And interesting enough, I'm the one that carried the bill that killed the income tax. I was the one that carried the one-cent sales tax increase. That funded the government, and the income tax just vanished. Nobody talked about it anymore. And now we've had a constitutional change, and it can't be brought up anymore. it take a change in the Constitution. When did that happen? Uh, the constitutional change? Yes, yes. I'm thinking it was
0: uh, about six years ago. Six years ago. That's, I thought it was pretty recent.
1: But I stood in the well four and a half hours debating that sales tax increase to stop the income tax. Four and a half hours. I was emotionally drained. I was just... I was calm, cool, and collected in my mind, but I was wound up like a golf ball. I'm sure you were. When I sat down, I couldn't have gotten back up with my (laughs) life, depending on
0: it. I'm sure you were. This has been Rogers. You're listening to Trending Today. My guest is Charlie Curtis, former state representative. We'll be right back. This has been Rogers, you're listening to Trending. Today my guest is Charlie Curtis, former state representative and current executive director of the County Commissioner Association. Charlie, you're wrapping up we're wrapping up discussion on your time as a House of Representative, nineteen years. What was one of the things you felt like was a good accomplishment while you were in your in the nineteen years you served? Man, it would really be hard for me to go back and pick
1: one moment. Uh I think the looking back over my career. The best thing I ever did is anytime I did something well, I always gave God the credit. People would reach out to me needing help with this and that, and, and most of the time I would be successful, and they would just praise my name for doing it. I said, no, don't thank me. I said, God's the one putting in the position to help you. He's the one you need to be thanking, not me, because I'd have still been laying brick somewhere. Sure. I wouldn't even be down here representing you sure. right now, so... The best thing I ever did is gave God the credit for my successes. Sure. So I wouldn't take any credit for anything. that I, God gave me the opportunity and the ability, so anything I did well, God gets the glory for that, not me.
0: Uh, absolutely. You've been out six years, right at it. That's career. Do, do you miss it at all?
1: No, I, I miss the fellowship, but I'm there anyway. Sure. Uh, the only thing that really bothers me, there's not real meaningful debate anymore. No one really asks the questions. It gets right down to the, the nitty-gritty Uh, where the rubber meets the road or the camel's nose goes under the tent, however you want to express it. There's too much legislation that gets passed without being really thoroughly examined. You know, we're we're too polarized. Tennessee's not nearly as bad as they are in Washington right now. But I promise you, you take both parties and you take the independents too. Some of the smartest people... In the General Assembly are Democrats and some of them are Republicans. Mm -hmm. And and if they debate, if you have meaningful debate, the legislation gets refined and it's much better if you have meaningful debate than if you just run it through like an assembly line and never really diagnose it. Tear it apart and put it back together. So the same thing happens in Washington. Both sides want to make, they want to discredit the other side. That's terrible. You need to work together and do what's best for the people. You know, when I had a bad bill come before one of my committees, I had two choices. Kill it or encourage my members to debate it and ultimately kill it or refine it to make it where it wasn't a bad bill. Right. You can you can take a good bill and, and amend it and make it a terrible bill, or you can take a terrible bill and amend it and make it a great bill. Sure. And so— that's the way – that's the mechanics of it. It's just about
0: your attitude. You're a, you're a pessimist or an optimist. What do you want to do? Right. And, and you mentioned you're still there, and the reason you're still there, uh, not as a member of the House of Representatives, but you're there as the executive director for the Tennessee County Commissioner Association. What do you do for that association?
1: Well – when the legislature's in session, I keep them posted and alerted to everything that's going on in the General Assembly concerning county government. If it's good, I let them know that. If it's bad, I let them know that. I'm their technical support, just like you are. You're the technical support for county government. Sure. I only focus on the commissioners. But if a mayor calls me or a road superintendent, I'll help anyone. If a clerk, I got to call from one of the clerks this past week. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who it is. I'm going to help them because that's the Christian thing to do. But my focus is on helping county commissioners. But I'm not going to turn my back on anyone else that's reaching out to me for help. Now your position, you help every elected official in the county that's right. dealing with county government. You got them all, right? And what, fifteen, sixteen counties? Thirteen counties and up county. So it's just unreal. I'm only, but I'm dealing with the largest block. I've got sixteen hundred and something county commissioners. That's all ninety five counties combined. So, but you've got all of my commissioners plus everyone else. So right. you your job's twice as big as mine.
0: Well, it's busy, but that's what we do. And 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 you're right. These commissioners have at least two outlets for support. You as the executive director of their association, and me as a county technical assistance, uh, uh, county government consultant, and we do it because well, that's our careers. But we do it because we love it. 95 counties, you're statewide. 1600 commissioners. You've been to every county, correct? That's correct. And you've had the opportunity to meet every commissioner. If you've been to every county, that's correct uh what when you go out in the state and go to these different counties what makes you what makes that passion even grow more to serve these people
1: there's a need out there and anytime anytime I get to be successful I get to give the lord the credit so I get some joy out of that but there's people reaching out like somebody drowning they they just need some help and and we're not reinventing the wheel uh, you know some counties already done it there's something to be done wrong somebody's already done it wrong and they True. figured out how to fix it so when another county goes through that, as long as I keep good notes and keep a good database, eventually, I'm actually, right now, I'm, I'm reading every attorney general's opinion from 1977 to current, and I'm oh, documenting wow. anything that has effect on county government. And, and it may take me a year to get through that. If the Lord lets me live, I'll get it, and I'll share that database with you. But, but what ha- any mistake that could possibly be made has been made. And the attorney generals tried to address, mm-hmm. and so it's changed a little bit over the years. But it's interesting to go back and read those old AG opinions. They were having the same problems thirty years ago we're having today. Sure, and here we're still trying to fix them. So uh, that's that's what I am. I'm a fixer. I give them ideas. I give them choices. I don't dictate to them what to do. I just give them options and let them make their own decision because right.
0: that's what they were elected to do. Right. Well, I actually had a, an email from a citizen last week uh, and it was related to a meeting you and I attended together in Pickett County, uh, the night they increased taxes. And the discussion wasn't the tax increase per se, but it was more about the hotel motel tax. Right. And he was under the impression that I and you were advocating for them to do that. And I said, no, sir, Uh, we do not advocate for a County to raise taxes. We do not advocate for a County to, to make decisions that affect citizens. We just give them the options by law what they can do. And that's correct. we put numbers to it sometimes and it may reflect one tax is better than the other or uh some some scenario that may be better, but we never go in the county and sell that to the citizens or the commissioners. And that's not our job. What are some of the most questions, most common questions you receive from your county commissioners?
1: The one thing I see most of all, and, and certainly Putnam County is one of the best organized counties, is we got counties that don't have any local rules. When you're governed by Roberts Rules, which most counties are all under Roberts Rules, Roberts Rules is made for for a small committee to a large convention, thousands. Sure. So one size doesn't fit all. So you you develop local rules, and you're able to tailor certain portions of Roberts Rules to better suit your needs, suit your needs in your local government. Well, it's amazing how many local governments we got out here that don't have any local rules. That's right. They're just bobbing along, floating around. And they have no continuity in what they're doing, and uh, we're trying to change that. The legislature two years ago uh, adopted a new law that all newly elected commissioners have to go through orientation, and then they have to get seven hours of continuing education for their first seven years they're elected. And once they get beyond that stage, they no longer have to take continuing education, but it's still available free of charge. And all of that training can be taken off the web. So the legislature wanted to make it where they didn't even have to leave home to get their educational credit. So we're just turning a corner on that. I think it's going to make a significant difference in the future. It may even make my
0: job obsolete, but I don't think so. I think they'll always need somebody to speak for them on the General Assembly floor. Some of the challenges you see going forward, we, we you know, the policy procedures on rules and meetings, those are challenges. It's important for commissions to have standards or rules to go by. So there's structure, that, that, and that's the whole goal, structure. Someone makes a motion, it gets a second there's discussion allowed. What if somebody tables the motion? What if somebody wants to reconsider uh, a motion? You are an expert uh, in Roberts Rules Order. I call you sometimes if I can't find it in the book or I'm too lazy to look it up. I'll call Charlie. That's just one issue. What's another issue you see in these counties that they're having problems achieving or or, or accomplishing something they want to to eventually see in the county? What are you seeing?
1: I, I think the most common outside of the structure of the way they do their commit their commission meetings and their committee meetings, is uh, being painted into a corner, just politically. And I I tell commissioners, I've been speaking to commissioners for a long time in orientation. As a legislator, I always spoke at at COOP. I always spoke to that county official's orientation. They're going to come in and tell you one night at a commission meeting, we've got to do this now. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing any of you that are listening to my voice have got to do right now is breathe. Everything else is optional. (laughs) That's right. Make sure you don't get painted into a corner. I try to counsel the commissioners. You can always adjourn the meeting and walk out. Just make a motion and and get it. It's always in order to adjourn a meeting if they're trying to force you to do something, and you don't have adequate information to make that choice. That's one of the biggest problems out there. People are trying are force commissioners to do something. They're not prepared. They don't have the knowledge to do, and and I counsel them if they can't if they can't make a rational decision don't do it right adjourn the meeting or recess the meeting and come back the next day give them time themselves time to get enough information to make a rational decision
0: sure i was actually in charge of the uh commissioner's program this last orientation county county officials orientation uh we had last year murfreesboro after everyone got elected and you are going to be my guest have been my guest the last two times we've done it and you'll continue to be. One of the things you and I both say while we're up there as we're closing out the show today is for those that are interested in running, run for the run for the people. Run for your community. Don't run for yourself. Don't run to uh be in power. Don't run to get recognition. Don't run for the benefits of being called commissioner. Run to serve your community. And Charlie, I can say you are the epitome of a public servant. I thank you for your service to our country. I thank you for our service to your county and our state. Thank you for being my guest today. Uh I want you to come back sometime.
1: Thank you for allowing me to be here and and, and as I said earlier, anything I've done well in my life, I'm gonna give God the credit. I'm certainly not going to get the big head over it. Absolutely. I know there's other people out there better at a lot of things than I'll ever be, but God's blessed me, and I've been successful in a few things, but I'm just going to give him the credit and let the rest of it stay where it's at.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you, Charlie. This has been Rogers. You've been listening to Trending. My guest today was Charlie Curtis, former state representative and current executive director of the County Commissioner Association. I want to thank my producers today and join us next week on Friday at 8 a.m. for another episode of Trending.